As Steve mentioned, today is Trinity Sunday. It has been said that if you can comprehend something, well, then it's not God. The doctrine of the Trinity is not an easy doctrine for many of us to grasp. The Trinity seems to make plain God's vastness and unknowability. Still, there are things the Trinity, in all its complexity and mystery, can teach us about who God is and who we are to God. With that in mind, let us turn to our scripture readings, the first of which comes to us from the book of Proverbs, chapter 8, verses 1 to 4 and 22 to 36. Hear now the word of the Lord. Does not wisdom call and understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates, in front of the town, at the entrance of the portals, She cries out, to you, O people, I call, and my cry is to all who live. The Lord created me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of long ago. Ages ago, I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. When he had not yet made earth and fields or the world's first bits of soil. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep. When he made firm the skies above. When he established the fountains of the deep. When he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters might not transgress his command. When he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was beside him like a master worker, and I was daily his delight, playing before him, always playing in his inhabited world and delighting in the human race. And now, my children, listen to me. Happy are those who keep my ways, hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Happy is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors, For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But those who miss me injure themselves. All who hate me love death. The second reading this morning is from the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verses 12 to 15. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Father, may the word just read point to the word to come, and may it all work together to point to the word made flesh, your son, our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. There is a sign that I pass on my way to and from work every day, and for a long time, its bright neon lights flashed the reassuring words, God is still speaking. And sometimes as I pass the sign, I would wonder in response, 
What is it that God is saying? What words is God speaking to me? What does God sound like? Reflecting on my own life, the voice of God has often come to me by the way of other people. Since 2014, I've gathered with a group of five other women almost every month. We gather around a table, we break bread, and we wonder about God. We've celebrated one another's children. We have celebrated new babies and new jobs. We have grieved the loss of parents and lamented over diagnosis. And somewhere from the richness of the space we share in one another's life, the over 200 hours we've spent together, God has spoken. God has spoken through these relationships. Through the words of these sisters of mine, I have heard my best self echoed back to me at times when I have forgotten the words of my own belovedness. Through these sisters of mine, God has spoken comfort, encouragement, guidance, and mercy. For Ray Kinsella in the wonderful film, Field of Dreams, the voice of God comes to him audibly in the midst of his Iowa corn. At least I've always taken the voice in the film to be that of God. He's there by himself checking the soil in his field, and God speaks to Ray, and Ray hears God tell him to build a baseball field where his lucrative crop is planted. If you build it, he will come, the voice says. And the voice reverberates sort of soft and deep and low over the crops. It's really a whisper. And the first time, Ray doesn't quite understand the words. But when he hears the voice again, the words are as clear as they are confusing. Sometimes the voice of God isn't as clear. Elijah doesn't hear God in the noise of the wind or the earthquake or the fire, but in the sound of sheer silence. Sometimes the voice of God isn't something we hear at all as much as it's something we feel resonating in our gut or our bones. Sometimes the voice of God comes to us through the Bible. The Bible, it has been said, is God's voice in print. And sometimes the voice of our triune God is not felt or heard in words or heard in the silence. Sometimes God speaks to us in a language we can't yet understand. And it's only when we look back at certain seasons of our life that we can see that the guiding voice of God has been there all along, guiding us through the dark. We just didn't realize it at the time. It would seem that there are no simple answers to the question, what does God sound like? But God is still speaking as I drove past the sign on my way to work, on some days I would wonder about God's voice, but not every day. Some days are full to overflowing, and I would rush past the sign, already making dinner in my head without a hint of attention given to the matter. And on some days, days like those following another instance of horrific violence in our country, or days when the headlines would suggest that the divides in our country are simply too deep to be healed, that things are only going to get worse, I would wonder, where is God's voice in this mess? How can we hear God above all the name-calling and the shouting? The truth of the matter is we find ourselves in a noisy world, 
Scientists have measured the amount of data that enters the brain and found that the average person living today processes as much as 74 gigabytes of information a day through television and our phones and computers, etc. That's as much as watching 16 movies a day. Every year, the amount of information processed increases by 5%. Only 500 years ago, 74 gigabytes of information would be what a highly educated person consumed in a lifetime through books and stories. So there's lots of voices competing for our detention, attention, and this noise can make deciphering the voice of God all that much harder. When I think of the effect this has on our ability to discern, I'm reminded of the old childhood game of telephone where one child starts with, I like bananas. And by the time it reaches the end of the circle, another child confidently says, green striped pajamas. With so much information, so much noise, how can we attune our ears and orient our lives in such a way that we can hear and discern the voice of God? How do we strip away or shush the voices of culture or ego or trauma to hear the voice of the persistent, creative, sacrificial, and empowering love of God that is crying out to us, begging us to listen? How do we cut through the noise to avoid being like a young Samuel who first mistakes the voice of God calling him in the night for that of Eli, Eli who is snoring up the hallway. Perhaps the best place to start to cut through the noise, to begin to understand how we might recognize the voice of God, its tenor and its cadence, is by looking to scripture and reflecting on the nature of the one who speaks. When I was a little girl, my dad would whistle when we were in a crowded place and we had been separated. No matter where we were, no matter how many people were there, because I knew my dad and I knew his voice, I knew his whistle. And I knew following that whistle, well, that would lead me back to his side. If we know something of the one who is speaking, we know something of the characteristics of the voice. So we look to scripture and we consider who God is. One God in three persons. St. Augustine wrote about the Trinity being the lover the beloved, and love itself. And this language is, I think, helpful in terms of us understanding the Trinity. That is to say, I think it's helpful in terms of us understanding God. There are, of course, other analogies for the Trinity, but there's something about love being at the center that illustrates the truth that understanding the Trinity is about more than understanding the job descriptions of each person. With love at the center, we know there's more going on than understanding where one person's work ends and another's begins, as if the Trinity were simply a group of relay racers passing the baton in the exhausting and exhilarating marathon of creation and restoration. With love at the center, we cannot escape the understanding that the Trinity is fundamentally relational, lover beloved, and the love that issues from both, binding them together. Each person of the Trinity has their identity bound up with, in relationship with the other. With love at the center, we can understand that this relationship is one of reciprocity, of mutuality, and this giving and receiving, it can take us to the very heart of God, of who God is. 
What's more, our scripture readings this morning tell us that God's heart, the heartbeat that pulses through Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this heartbeat of loving relationship, well, it seeks to extend beyond itself to us. We hear that before we were created, before we were uh, even here and we were just an idea in God's mind, the Holy Spirit whispered love to us like mothers sing to babies not yet born. And how once we were born, well, wisdom rejoiced in the inhabited world and delighted in the human race like a proud parent. And since the very beginning, wisdom has been bidding us to listen, to watch, to wait, to find her, to be in relationship with her. And Jesus, Jesus reassures us just as he did his anxious and overwhelmed disciples that the spirit of truth will guide us into all truth. The Spirit speaks, declares truth to us. And though God is too big, too awesome to only sound one way, to only come to us one way, we can be certain that God, who is love, seeks to be in relationship with us. We can trust that God calls out, seeks our listening ear. So as we listen, we watch, we wait for the voice of God, we can know that whatever we hear, if we hear God in the voice of relationship, if we hear a voice from the heavens, if we hear God in the silence, if we hear God in the Bible, or if the voice of God is in a language we do not yet speak, the voice of God is always drawing us more deeply into love, drawing us more deeply into a life lived in conformity with the life and the teachings of Jesus. Perhaps this is how we know it's God's voice we hear. Perhaps this is how we can discern. If God is loving relationship, then the voice of God is always drawing us more deeply into loving relationship with God and with one another. Sue Monk Kidd's novel, The Secret Life of Bees, tells a beautiful story of a lost and heartbroken girl being drawn into the love of God. The summer she turns 14, Lily Owens has what she calls a true religious moment. She says, it's the sort of moment where you know yourself spoken to by a voice that seems other than yourself. Spoken to so genuinely you see the words shining in trees and clouds. Standing in my ordinary room, I heard a voice say, Lily, Melissa Owens, your jar is open. And Lily knows then that she has to leave. She has a verbally abusive, volatile father, and she has to get away. Following the voice of God leads Lily across state lines to Tiburon, South Carolina, and a big two-story Pepto-Bismol pink house where beekeeper August Boatwright and her sisters May and June, they draw Lily into their arms, and they whisper into her lonely and broken heart, you are loved. God's voice leads Lily towards love. In Field of Dreams, Ray Kinsella follows God's voice with no idea why God would want him to dig up his crop. It's only in the final minutes of the film that Ray finally figures out that God said to build a baseball field because it brought Ray back into right relationship with his dad. God spoke to Ray words that were able to repair what Ray had assumed could not be repaired. God spoke words of love that were able to breach a divide only the love of God could fill. 
where it's love powerful enough to bridge between life and death. God spoke words of love powerful enough to reveal a love that had been unspoken between a father and his son. On this Trinity Sunday, on every Sunday, on every single day, by the power of the spirit of truth and love, Jesus is present to us here and now, calling out to us, can you hear it? If we wonder if the voice we hear is that of our triune God, we can ask ourselves, is this voice creating in me increased freedom from all that interferes with the love of God and neighbor? Is this voice drawing me into more meaningful service and participation with what God is doing in the world? Is this voice the voice of love? As we listen and we read scripture and we pray, as we wait, we can know what we're listening for. With our ears to the ground, we're listening for the voice of the one that draws us into deeper relationship with God and with one another. We're listening for the voice that draws us more deeply into love. Listen. Can you hear it? God is still speaking.